Hello, hello, my fellow imposters. Welcome to the Imposter Project podcast, the safe space for anyone who is self-employed, a small business owner, an entrepreneur, or simply someone doing their own hustle. Here we can talk about all the struggles, anxieties, and difficulties of forging out our own career paths and all the lessons we've learned along the way without anyone mansplaining, boasting, networking, or hashtag girlbossing. Hello, this is episode four and I am your host, Hoodie. So before I launch into this episode, I wanted to announce something quite exciting, which is that my business, Big Sister Swap, is hiring. Um, We are hiring a social media assistant. If you're interested, you can check out the website, Big Sister Swap, and I'll leave the link in the show notes um, for where you can find more information about the job. It is a part-time role. Um, so, you know, it's ideal for anyone who also has another part-time job or is trying to fit this around studying or anything like that. Um, so yeah, make sure you apply. It will be so exciting to work with you. Um, and also I wanted to raise this in case anyone is interested about hearing more about what it's like hiring as a small business, um, And yeah, I thought maybe next week's episode, I might talk a bit more about that in detail. So let me know if you have any questions on that specifically. So yeah, enough about that. In this week's episode, though, I'm interviewing Evie from With Love Evie, and we talk about inclusive and sustainable fashion design and small business struggles. But I had to cut this down so much because I was talking to her for about 40 minutes, just nattering away. I kept on coming up with more and more questions I wanted to ask. Um, I just love speaking to other business owners because we have so many struggles in common, and it's so reassuring to know we're all in the same boat. But apart from that, Evie's business in particular is also so interesting. And I think talking to her raised a lot of interesting points. So a little summary about Evie. She recently started With Love Evie, an inclusive clothing line, which she makes from her garden shed in Lincolnshire. She graduated from Nottingham Trent in fashion design and then was working as a sock designer before being furloughed due to the pandemic. So she took this as the boost she needed to focus on her small business idea, which was to make inclusive fashion. But as you'll hear, her inclusive fashion brand goes way further than size inclusivity which is of course important, but this is particularly for all bodies and all abilities and easy dressing essentially. Um, We also touch on running a small business when you have dyslexia and the added challenges of that. So without further ado, here is the interview. So can we chat a bit about what first got you interested in inclusive fashion to begin with? Um, So what happened was, so in second year at uni, we had a live competition with like an industry. Um, And so um, so they came in and they were like, look, like we need to design a adaptive clothing range. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I've never done anything like this before. Like, let's give it a go. And I really enjoyed doing it, and I was, and it really opened my eyes. And I thought, you know what? I am a designer. I can like make people feel better. I feel like like mental health as well. Like you feel better if you feel if if you sit comfortable in your clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really just wanted to make a difference. Um, so I just decided decided to continue it within my third year, and I got an amazing like response. Um, it was like really really great. Um, so I've all, I just I just feel like I just got the passion from it. Um, so I was really lucky. I was um, I won a scholarship as well to like help cover fabrics and cost. Um, oh wow! I'm um, looking at like uh, magnetic zips, um, and I had a 
really amazing tutor who really helped me out. Her name was Linda, and she'd previously been in a wheelchair herself. Um, so from past experiences, like market research, like it was just really amazing just to make fashion inclusive for everyone. Yeah, that's incredible. So you mentioned the magnetic zips, but was there anything else in particular that you worked on to make things more inclusive? Yeah, so for example, like the seated position, so in a wheelchair, um, the way your jeans are, you actually need like more like a fabric at the back and like at the front it's lower. So it's like, if you look at it from the side, it's like a diagonal pattern cutting. Um, I also looked at poppers as like precious um, sores. I also looked at like easy dressing, like for example, like amputees. Oh, that is so interesting. I'd never even thought of any of those things, um, which you know shows my privilege that I've never really had to. But that's that is so interesting because. Um, you know, when I looked at your bio for um, your fashion brand, I think of it as inclusive, like size inclusive, but of course there's way more to it than just size inclusivity. Yes, so, so true. Like a lot of people do think it's, of course, like more about like the weight aspect. And of course that is like, that is a major factor, um, but it is also about, yeah, inclusivity with like, um, yeah, disabilities as well. Yeah, that's so great. So once you had this idea, I guess, at uni, so then you just decided to make a go of it yourself? Well, actually, so in like a positive way, I was very fortunate that like coronavirus kind of happened for me. Like, of course, it's absolutely awful, but it made me realize, so, for example, so with my job, I was put on furlough, so I was at home and then I reevaluated. what do I actually want out of life like what do I actually want to do like, and so during that time that's when you decided to really make a go of with Love Evie yes definitely so while having my job I already had my logo going I was already like talking to different people like I knew I wanted to set up an inclusive fashion brand but it's time but um with a pandemic it just gave me so much time and we had uh, me and mum, so we were sat in the garden one afternoon and we've got the garden shed and it was literally full of like absolute rubbish that we don't need. And we were like, you know what, everyone's turning their garden shed into a bar, why don't we do the same? <laughs> and then we were like, actually, why don't I have it as my fashion studio? And that's kind of where it all came about. And mum's so grateful because I was taking up like the whole of the dining room. Yeah. Like, threads everywhere. So it just like shoved me in the garden. Um, I have it all in one place, but I'm so like lucky. That's amazing. I I never would have guessed that you only started it last year. I would have thought you were going for way longer than that. It all looks so professional. Oh, honestly, thank you so much. Like, it does not feel professional whatsoever. Like on my end, like I'm <laughs> like flapping around. Look where you like you're smooth on the front, but underneath, like my legs are going crazy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. So. Um, you do everything yourself, don't you? From, you know, the sourcing, designing, pattern cutting, yeah. manufacturing, social media. Yeah. So what is all of that like? How how are you managing to juggle it all yourself? Oh, you know what? It is so, so, so hard. Like I, li- like, I don't have a life at the moment, which is fine, because this is everything that I wanted to do. But I, you just don't realise, like, how, how much there is. Um, it's even with like Instagram caption, like Instagram is so, so, so important. The, the designing side, pattern cutting, I learned all that at uni. Like I feel like I'm in my element there. But like Instagram, it's like a whole new ball game that I know nothing about. Yeah, yeah I definitely relate to that. And I think what's so important about 
about seeing brands like yours is from the sustainable fashion point of view it's like it shows just how much time and how much effort goes into each item and then it shows like the value of clothing when you think about the hours that you've put into it like it shows why everything costs the amount that it should because to pay for all of the time you're doing yeah literally so basically all most of my family work in a school and here in lincolnshire we've been off we're on half term this week and last week and um, so my mum's been off and literally she's been helping me non-stop and i'm oh, thinking bless how am I going to cope without you? Oh. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to get everything done. I'm thinking, oh, I'm a bit scared now. <laughs> Luckily, so we call we call her Auntie Joan, but it's my nan's sister. She's um she's like in her eighties, uh, retired, and luckily she's helping me do a few um, few bits of sewing. Um, but of course she's retired, so I can't be like, I need it like <laughs> ASAP, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've given her like a few like little bits to do, which is amazing. Like it's a massive weight off my shoulders. Like I felt like so much less stressed when I like gave her them few bits. Um, but I feel like in order to grow, I just do need to have more people on board, especially sewers, um, because I can only take on so much. I can only sew so much in a day. So if I do want to grow and take on more orders, then I, I do need to have like other sewers. Yeah, speaking about all of this, how do you ensure a good work-life balance or are you managing that at all? Like, are you giving yourself any free time at all? You know what? Like, at the moment, no. Um, I've, I'm literally, like, sewing, like, 7 o'clock in the morning till, like, like 11 o'clock at night. Um, I feel like because I'm so new to this, I feel like I'm, like, learning as I go along. And I'm at the point where... I, I just don't want to like disappoint anyone or I don't really want to say no to anything um so I'm literally just I'm just keep going I definitely relate um so this podcast is largely about struggling with imposter syndrome you know questioning yourself and anxieties over like are you good enough um have you ever struggled with that in your work yes like massively um especially like when I lie in bed before I go to sleep, I do, I'm thinking, God, like, what am I doing in my life? Like, is it all okay? Like, I, I was telling my mum, like, I feel like I'm, like, always thinking to the future and not enjoying the now. I'm, like, worried about, like, what could happen and what could go wrong. Um, and it's even, for example, like, my costings. Like, they are at a high price, but I'm not making much to anything money-wise because I'm thinking, oh, God, like, how much do I charge? Like... It's such like a stab in the dark for me. I am so relating to everything you're saying. I have the exact same worries. Yeah. Because at the same time, you, you know, you don't want to overcharge and you don't want people to complain about the price, but also you do need yeah. to be making money for the hours yeah. that you're putting in. Yeah, so true. And like, I listen to audio books when I'm in my shed. And I literally have so many like the self help books that I listen to. <laughs> in the day, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can do it. I can do anything. And then like, I get tonight. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Like, oh god, like it's all going to be like wrong, and I can't sleep. I'm thinking like, oh my god, I'm thinking like I I need to be sewing, but then I need to rest but I just I'm just don't know what to do with myself yes exactly I'm the exact same so as well as being inclusive your business is also sustainable so can we talk a little bit about the sustainability element of what you're doing yeah I feel like to be like a hundred percent sustainable like that's near enough impossible um but like doing little bits 
that you can. So, for example, when I print onto my own fabrics, I use um, like a water-free printing and eco-friendly inks, which is a lot more sustainable um, than like other chemical inks and like using mass amount of water. But it's all a lot of like research and like finding the best ways. And like the made-to-order process is sustainable within itself um, because you're making so whenever you get an order whatever size that is you're making that size so it's like little to no wastage mm. but it is to be fully sustainable I do think that is like near enough impossible you've just got to do your best to like help impact the world and um, by using that like, recyclable packaging as well or dead stock fabrics that would be in landfill and also that the fact that you're being inclusive to different bodies, I think that is one of the most sustainable things you can do because fashion can never be sustainable if fashion isn't for everyone. So I think that is incredible just in itself. Yeah, and also like, so the garments are, because it's all made by me, so they're made to like last, like the overlocking and the stitching, it's, 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 it's not like it's done like, really really fast and you you know like these massive uh, manufacturing they have to do it by like a certain time it's like me taking my time so it's like it's all the fabric's all caught in the hem's all caught in and we can wear it on repeat like that's what I'm really like advertising like wear it like it will last in your wardrobe like next season like timeless yeah I think that is so important the timelessness and I also I love the way that you advertise and just encourage like buying like one statement piece or you know a few statement pieces rather than buying like everything and having loads of different styles I love the fact that you've got kind of these like capsule collections which obviously makes sense as as it's only you making it but also it makes sense from a sustainability point of view too um yeah I love that I wish I wish more brands are doing it and yeah as you said like the fact that you're made to order that just in itself is miles ahead of fast fashion yes so as as we're talking about you know designing for different bodies and being size inclusive do you ever struggle to consider how your designs might look on different bodies and different body shapes I mean I'm assuming you've only got a handful of models that you can have try them on so um how how do you go about doing that yeah so everything so everything you see on my instagram at the moment is even modeled by like me or my sister but i've i've cut so i've made like a few friends uh through like instagram and of course through doing my uni research Mm. um so i'm working with some of them to like send out to them so they can like keep and wear and i'm talking to them thinking and asking them how it would like suit them better uh, with like dressing and like comfortability and there's a lot of um, disability like influencers out there um, and they're like they don't just talk about like disability they're all about like fashion their home like it's so it's, it's so great to see a variety of different Instagrams out there. What are your views and how do you feel the current industry is doing in terms of making fashion accessible to everyone and making fashion inclusive? Like, is it managing to do that? And I feel like a lot of industries now, like high street clothing, are more aware about, like, disability. Um, But it's more the fact that they're, like, photographing um, people with disability in their clothing, not actually making clothes for easy dressing. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's why I keep on asking you questions about it because I'm just so amazed that really this has never occurred to me. Like, I feel kind of annoyed at myself that I'd really never thought about it. I'm just like listening to you talk and I'm like, wow, that is so true. And it has made me think, you're so right that so many brands came to be inclusive and really what they mean is that they just photograph it on different bodies. They don't actually mean that the clothes are built for different bodies. And I mean, that's what's so amazing about your clothes being handmade and is that you really can tailor it to different people. And Yes, 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 so, so, so true. Um, yeah, because I know, for example, I think M&S, they're bringing out um, a children's um, clothing line uh, with like a Velcro, um, which is which is great for children with a disability and even just like, like all children um, because they all struggle, don't they, with like dressing and like, you know, like tying up their shoes. Kids have like Velcro instead. So there are like small changes. I know Tommy Hilfiger in America, um, they're doing a lot for like um, disability and clothing, which is amazing. I feel like America's like ahead of us. But in the UK, like I do really want to like make that difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could think of like small changes that you think fashion brands should make, what what type of thing do you think would be like the next step that they could really do? So yeah, for me, it'd be like pattern cutting, it'd be using like um, poppers or like magnetic zips. So it's still from a, from a normal eye, it looks exactly the same. It doesn't look any different to like normal clothing or like changing like the zips to the side where you can easily reach them so you're not like leaning up behind you. So if you could go back to when you started out, would you do anything differently? Um, or would you have any advice for your younger self? Yeah, so I would say like I wish I did it sooner. Um, I, I feel like I was quite worried about like what people would think, and you know, like certain oh, my first Instagram story, you know, when I you, you know you know when you have to like talk into uh, the camera. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was cringing so much. Um, you, you know when I so I, was, I was filming it, then I had to look away. I was like, oh god, I can't do that. Um, and you just you just feel silly, don't you? Um, but then I but then I feel like I look at Instagram and I see people doing stories. I think I actually don't think that's cringe. Yeah. Um, so I just have to like think. I had to try and treat myself like someone else in a way. Yeah, it's like oh, you should have just put aside all of your embarrassment and gone straight for it. Yeah, so 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 true. My my problem though with like social media and admin is that I'm so dyslexic so when I like upload Instagram captions I feel like it takes me so much longer because I either have to get like my mum or my boyfriend to like proofread things and I've got oh. to a point now where I'm like you know what I just have time for you guys to proofread things so I like put things up my stories stories it's been up there for eight hours and then I get a message from my mum like oh like you've got a spelling mistake there oh. I'm like, oh, you know what it's been up for eight hours like, I'm just gonna have to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That is. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, the mistakes yeah. that I've made on like our business social media has just been me being like really stupid. Like I've just said, oh, this is coming out on Wednesday, and just like said the complete wrong day of the week. But I mean, that must be yeah. a whole added struggle as well if you're struggling with dyslexia. That must. Yeah, but I do agree with you though that like your your designs are going to speak for themselves really. So at the end of the day, if there's a spelling mistake, like people are still going to love what you're putting out there. Yeah, thank you. I get really nervous. You know when like people like DMing me and like um, it sounds silly, but 
what I think it says, it doesn't actually say. Like, it could be, like, back to front mm. or something silly. And I don't want people not taking me seriously because of that. But then, like, my mum can't always be, like, sat next to me. Can't, like, it's, it's such, like, a hard struggle. And um, so I'm, like, just, and especially when I'm tired, it's even worse. But, yeah, it's just something that I'm very open about on, on my Instagram. So I'm hoping people see that and think, you know what, like, it's just who EV is. Like, it's just one of those things. Because I feel like having spelling mistakes, you don't trust that brand. Like, it's unprofessional. Um, and, like, for example, if, if, if I went on a website and I saw, like, to be honest, I wouldn't see it anyway, but, like, a, a spelling <laughs> mistake, a lot of people, like, wouldn't trust it. Or, or, you know, if you're, like, you're messaging someone, it doesn't really make sense. You think, who is this person? Like, what? Um, so, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm just like, you know what, like, I, I am I am dyslexic. Um, my Instagram stories aren't being proofread today, so here's <laughs> what it is. That's really important, I think, to talk about, like, especially on this podcast where I'm kind of trying to talk about, like, different issues coming at business. I think that is important. <sighs> Because I, I don't, I would want people to know that you can still be a successful business owner, even if you're struggling with, with things like dyslexia. And, and also, I think maybe for people who don't have dyslexia, it's important to kind of take away that stigma that we might subconsciously have of like reading a website and thinking, oh, that's not very professional. Like it's, we, sh- we should take that out of our minds and, and think, oh, you know, maybe a spelling mistake doesn't actually have any impact on the clothing that we're going to buy. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, so true. And I feel like a lot of people who have dyslexia, they are very creative. So, like, all that aspect, like, I absolutely love, like, this is why I'm doing fashion. Like, I definitely could not do, like, an office job, like, replying to emails and everything. Like, especially when I worked where I worked as, like, a sock designer, if I had to do any emails, oh, my God, that would, like, bring my most anxiety over me. It literally must have taken me, like, 15 minutes, like, write one-sentence emails and make (laughs) sure it's, like, all a um but yeah it's literally like to say that I am like so creative but then having your own business there's like the business side to it isn't it like the writing like the working out the maths and everything Mm. like it's such like you've got to work so many heads and that's what I'm learning yeah definitely you really do something I've really noticed from interviewing a lot of other business owners is a lot of people have been saying that they that you know they struggled in school and therefore like the creative side really became their thing and then that's why they've gone into a creative business um so and a lot of us have been talking about how like schools really didn't push us towards being self-employed and like being entrepreneurs so um were you encouraged in school to you know pursue fashion yeah, well, I was always into, like, the arts, um, and, yeah, so, so I did art textiles, I did DT um, for GCSE, and when I was in, at school, I was so embarrassed about being dyslexic, like, nobody knew, um, and I was always playing, like, catch-up, um, so I tried so, so, so hard, I was always working, like, I was, like, really good, like, really studious, just had to put in so much, like, so many hours, like, to get the grades and to like make sure that no one saw that I was struggling. So do you think maybe like the fact that you had to work a bit harder at school because you were struggling with dyslexia, like so you had to kind of prove yourself and like work that bit harder, that might be like one of the reasons you've got such a good work ethic now that you're able to work like 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. or whatever crazy hours you have to do. I honestly like think that is, I actually remember, so I had, um, it was like history, like 
GCSE and my history teacher was like you know what like you are not even gonna get a D like you, you know what you, you you're just not and I was like you know what I'm gonna prove you wrong like you can't say that to me like how dare you say that to me like I knew nothing about history at that point um but I worked so 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 hard and I literally came out with a B um, and he never even like congratulated me or anything and that will always like stick in my head and it just shows that I feel like hard work can just get you anywhere you just need to like put your head down and put all your efforts in and it will just come to you oh that's so amazing I feel like that is such a good <laughs> a good slogan to end it on So there you have it, a much condensed version of our very long and interesting chat. Thank you so much to Evie for not only giving me a lot of time to talk, but also for opening up so honestly about your experiences with running a small business with dyslexia. And I'm sure that will have helped anyone listening who might deal with similar issues. And for also opening up my eyes about inclusive fashion, which I'll definitely take forward um, with my own business as well. Um, So as always, if you have any thoughts on the episode, you can get in contact with me. If you have a question, feel free to message me privately at The Thrifty Thinker on Instagram or TikTok. And you can also email at theimposterprojectpod at gmail.com. You can ask me any questions about anything really, and I'll answer in the next episode. Um, And make sure you also check out the job listing if you're interested. So thanks for listening and join me next week. Bye.